Alright, so turn to your neighbor. Answer this question. What is your ideal meal? Okay? Talk to your neighbor. What's your ideal meal? You got one, you got one meal to have. What's your meal? Yeah, you know what Ideal meal. That's Ruth Chris. That's a tough one to uh, to pass up, a filet and a, and a lobster tail. I tell you what, this is this almost sounds bad, but for me it's the it's a it's a pepperoni pizza stuffed crust. So, I mean, if I could just eat the whole thing. All right, next picture. Answer this question. What is your ideal vehicle? What is your ideal vehicle? Get specific if you need to. You can put the gear. What does it pay for? Right here for me. It is the GMC Sierra. Um, I would do it in the uh, what I would call Cardinal Red, St. Louis Cardinal Red. But you know what? I'd be fine with that. You guys want to give me an early Christmas present or anything like that? Uh, GMC Sierra, fully loaded. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. Um, all right, one more, one more ideal vacation spot. What's your ideal uh, vacation spot? That right there for sure. For me, you put me in the Caribbean somewhere on a beach. I will, I will take pretty much any beach, but if I had to pick the ideal spot, it would be uh, in the Caribbean. Alright, this one, this question, it's more rhetorical, so you're not gonna you don't have to answer this one out loud. What would be your ideal community? Think about community. What would be in your ideal community? For some of us as we think about that. It might be education, it, it might be uh, safety, public safety. When you think about what's in your ideal community, uh, you may think, hey, I, I want to have uh, health care or friends or different things when you think about that. Um, our mission at first, at, I keep saying first Baptist, at Freedom <laughs> Church, at Freedom Church, our mission statement is this. We exist to help people take the next step in their relationship with Jesus together. And today we're going to focus on and a, a key word is that, that word together. It's put there on purpose because we can take our next steps in our relationships with Jesus alone. But it's in this together piece, this us piece, this we piece, that's going to take us, it's going to make or break us. To be honest, we'll, it's going to be the, the part that sets Freedom Church apart to, to really set us up to make a difference. It's in this together piece. I have a vision that, that God has put you and I here as part of the, as Freedom Church to, to not just be some other church. But to be a unique church that is, is, is set apart that's that there's a movement that God is doing, that He is stirring, and He is He is prepping Los Alamos to to really hear from God. So I I believe that God, there's a movement that's about to happen. It's like this wave that's coming. You see it coming, and let's catch it and get on there. To where God wants to reach Los Alamos through you, and if we reach Los Alamos, that means we pretty much reach the lap because. That's a big part of it. And I guarantee you, if we reach the lab, that means we reach the world. 
we are in a unique town, in a unique location where we have foreign nationals coming, we have people that come here and they move, and then they, they move here and then they leave. But we can reach the world. I think God wants to use Freedom Church to start that movement. But it's going to be in the together piece that that, that takes place. Now, we've been studying the best yet to come series. We've been looking at the first church uh, in, in the book of Acts. How did they do things? And there's going to be four principles to successful community that we're going to glean from them today that we can start to establish our culture in Freedom Church. Culture is things that we create or it's the things that we allow. Culture is the things that we create or it's the things that we allow. And there's some things that this community did in the first century church in that book of Acts that they created a a togetherness that changed the world. They they made a difference in their own lives. They made a difference in in the lives of those around them. But it literally changed the world. And I want to embrace those things as part of Freedom Church. So we're going to dive into that today. So if you have your Bible... Uh, Acts chapter 4, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. You can also use your version app, which you guys got little cards that told you how to do that if you want to follow along with some sermon notes that also serves as our, our, our bulletin. Um, or it's going to be up here on the screen. It's a little bit tinier print because we have a lot to read through. So I'm going to, I'm going to read through this section of scripture and then we will we'll discuss about it. These four characteristics. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Now, time out, because I'm a preacher, and it's hard for me to read a verse and not try to explain it to somebody in the room. Um, Let's just do a quick review of where we've gone. We started out week one, Acts chapter one. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to leave. Stay in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And that power we learned in, in week one was had a purpose behind it. That that power was to be used to go and spread the word about Jesus. You want God to work in your life. You want to see the power of God in your life. <laughs> You want to see the power of God unleashed in your life, you go tell someone about Jesus. That's going to be on the where you're going to be on the front lines and you're going to see God move. Well, guess what? They started doing that. They believed it. They saw Jesus die. They lived with him. They saw him raised from the dead. And they said, we got to go live this thing out. And they started telling people about Jesus. And guess what? It wasn't just all rainbows and uniforms, was it? Because we saw last week that they, they, shared, they healed the man. They shared the gospel. Conflict happens. Adversity happens. They got sent to jail. Said, hey, no more of this Jesus talk. You guys, what you did was good. But do not talk in the name of Jesus anymore. They got arrested. And then they, as soon as they got freed, they said, hey, don't speak in the name of Jesus. They returned to the other believers. It got messy. It got messy real fast. When life gets messy for you, when it's chaotic, when when it gets real, where do you go? When when circumstances are get overwhelming and we this life happens. Where do you go? Who do you turn to? 
For most of us, church is probably not our number one answer. Definitely for those not going to church, it's not their answer. And even for us inside the church, it's not always the place that we go to. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Where do, you, where do we go? Um, these guys went to church. They returned to the other believers to tell them what had happened. Let's pick it up in verse 24. When they, the believers, the church, heard the report, all the believers lifted up their voice together in prayer. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and and against the Messiah. In fact, this happened here, in this very city. Together, they were against the the Lord and against the Messiah. In fact, sorry, I repeat my lines. Herod, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, who you anointed. I love this verse. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. God's in charge. It may not look like it, but God's in charge. And now, Lord, hear their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. We're not going to stop. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. To do what? Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the great and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them. And they'd bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi, came to the island of Cyprus, and he sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. What's your ideal community? It says that what they did that God's great blessing was upon them all. Some of the things we might envision for the perfect ideal community, um, it may not happen on earth. Like God promises that, hey, that's going to happen in in heaven. But we can have tastes of heaven here and now. But regardless of the situation, the best is yet to come because Jesus is alive. And these guys believed it and they lived it out and no matter what was going to happen to them, do the same thing that these guys did. He gets in front of the high council, the same group that just arrested Peter and John. He gets in front of them. He gets just as bold with them, says, hey, you guys did this. And then they kill him. It didn't go so well. It's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. But these guys lived it out. The best was yet to come, not based on their circumstances, because they were living for what God was calling them to do. They were living on purpose. And they were doing that together. They were doing that together. So four characteristics today of successful community. What can we see here? One is, they get together. 
<laughs> they got together and spent time together. Peter and John returned to the other believers. One of our core values of Freedom Church, you can't do life alone. In the beginning, God created. You read Genesis chapter 1. He created, he created, he created. And when he described it, how did he describe that? He looked at it and he said it was good. 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 He liked his creation. <clears throat> then he turned to chapter 2 and something was not good. It says, God looked and said, it is not good for man to be <coughs> alone. We were not created to do life alone. God said it, and we know it. You put people into... It's like torture to put someone in, in, uh, in isolation. We are meant to be in relationship with one another. There's a couple problems with this idea of doing life together. One, we are busy. Part of our culture in American society, we are maxed out on time. Well, we'll get together when we have time. And we go, and we go, and we go, and we struggle. we got children's events, we got school, we got job, we got hobbies that we got to do, and we go, we go, we go. Listen, I'm not against any of that. Really, for Freedom Church, I want to leverage that. Okay? I don't, I, I'm not going to continue and try to get say, Oh, you're too busy, whatever. God can change whatever He needs to on your priorities. As Freedom Church, just give you a little bit of vision. I want to free you up. We're not going to do a whole lot of stuff here at Freedom Church. So, we're going to have Sunday worship. I want to create a dynamic worship experience where you can encounter God. That's where we've really been focusing on for this first month, is getting Sunday mornings going. I want to have strong small groups. Strong community. Because even in a group this size, we might know one another in our faces, but we need to get into the context of smaller groups. Because that's where the care is going to be provided. That's where you're going to grow. That's where you're going to be known. That's really where it's the meat of this thing, where it's going to work, where it's really going to happen, is in these small groups. So, we are, over the next couple weeks, going to be signing up for small groups. I got, um, we're going to be looking to launch two to three small groups starting in February. And you can sign up one right on that guest registration table after the service. You can do it, or you can log online to freedomla.church. Go to Next Steps, and you can sign up on there. You can do it right now, and in 30 seconds, you can say, hey, we are in. Um, I'm going to be meeting with our small group leaders this week. We're going to take those registrations, and we're going to try to figure out, hey, we're going to put people in groups and get this thing started. And I know the hesitation might be, well, I don't know. <laughs> What's these groups going to be like? Hey, I don't know what they're going to be like either. We're going to figure that out. I just know when I've been a part of a group, when I have people pouring into me, uh, it's been where I grow. You can skate through this fine. We can sit here, and we can worship, and we can preach, and you, you can just skate through. But when you have people face-to-face that you're praying with and talking to, that's going to take it to the next level. So one problem, busyness. But I want to free you up. We're going to do small groups the rest of the week. That's you. Spend time with your family. Have someone over for dinner. That's our, that's our evangelism strategy. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. 
We're not going to run a lot of church-wide events. I don't want you to be at the church. I want you to be in the home and have people into your home or be in their home and work through through there. So I'm going to free you up to do that. Go coach your baseball team. Go coach your, your son's baseball team or gymnastics. Go be a part of that. Enjoy and have fun. But that's where your mission is too. Go live it out. So we're going to free you up from some of that. The other problem that we have with groups and getting together, safety. Oh, I'll go to a group and I'll, sh- I'll share some, but I'll keep that surface level. right? Not only am I too busy... But I have my issues, right? And you have your issues. I got. I don't want to put my burden on you. I mean, I barely have time to deal with it myself. And then here's my struggles. Here's the thing that I'm dealing with. And that's just going to put more time and burden on you. I don't want to open up and, and share. And then part of that, too, I get it, goes right back to, to Adam and Eve. What did they do when they sinned against God? They hid when, when things hit the fan for me, when, when things is a, is a mess for me, whether I caused it or whether somebody else uh, did something to me, my natural reaction is to isolate. I'm going to withdraw and distance myself. That's human nature. I think that it's human nature to hide and withdraw. It's going to take initiative on our part to say, no, I'm going to lean into this it's uncomfortable, it's risky, and it's unsafe to share my burdens with one another. Part of our culture in America is that you're supposed to be self-reliant, to be independent. And that's not a bad thing for you to, to grow up and be independent. But at the same time, I would wonder, is it necessarily a Bible thing? Galatians 6.2 to share your burdens with each other. And in doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ. Share your burdens with one another. And you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Is it all these rules and regulations? No. The law of Christ is simple. He says, I give you guys a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. You want to fulfill the law of Christ? Love people. And sharing a burden, while it seems like I'm going to disrupt your day, is actually the loving thing to do. It allows you to actually love and care on me. That goes so counterintuitive to what we naturally feel, but is necessary for us to grow together. Small groups is going to be the place where that happens in Freedom Church. That's where you're going to get the care. That's where you're going to get you're going to be able to serve with other people. I just say this: we typically grow up where the pastor is the one. Hey, I got an issue. Go to the pastor. Got an issue. Go to the pastor. Go to the issue. Have an issue. Let's go to the pastor. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Except I'm not good at counseling. Okay, that's not my that's not my gift. You come to me, I'm going to listen, but I'm probably just going to say, stop it. Or do something else, or whatever. It's that you're really like, well, that really didn't help. In many of those cases, that you don't need a pastor. You need people who know you and love you and can care for you in a, in a much better way. That is going to free you up. That's a. It's a theology thing. This idea of getting together, 
and caring for one another. It's the body of Christ. It is all of our responsibility to care for them. Not just one, or not just a few people, but all of us working together, which is why this is so important. They got together, especially when it got messy. Second thing, they prayed together. They prayed together. Prayer, actually let me just say this. I don't have a core value for prayer. We have six core values. I showed you this. Prayer is all in the foundation of all of those. Okay, it has got to be foundational to all of those. So I don't have one for, for prayer. If you're sad about that, I'm sorry, but just know it's there. It's going to be in everything we do. So why we got here at t- we got here early, we set up so we could pray at 10:30 and pray for everyone who's going to be sitting in these seats that God's going to be moving. We came here as a group. We're going to do that week after week. But prayer's got to, when we get together, we got to pray. Prayer helps us focus. Um, when we lose focus, silly things happen. A couple years ago, it's the middle of the night. It's about midnight, 1 a.m. It's in the middle, middle of winter because we just had a snowstorm. And I wake up because the neighbor's dog is going berserk. And he is going crazy. And I'm like, what is going on? I wake up and I kind of, I'm realizing, oh, there's probably an animal or something that has spooked our neighbor's dog and they're just going nuts. So I wake up, I kind of look outside, I can't see anything, so I got a flashlight. If you saw me a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, I'm not a, a utility man, repairman at all, so my flashlight's very it's tiny, it's not very good. And so I go, and I, I, I lean out the door between our house and our neighbor's house, and I shine the flashlight, it's not very good, I can't see much. But I see on the fence line a pair of eyes, right? I think we got a picture. I got a... This isn't the exact picture, but I see some eyes, and I'm kind of like, oh, there is an animal there. So, I don't know what it is, I just see the eyes, and so I start to walk down towards it just to try to maybe spook it off or something, and I hear my neighbor say, Mike, the owner of the dog, I say, yeah, yeah, what's going on? I think it's a mountain lion. (laughs) Whoa, I I hightail it back into the house, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of leaning out, are you like, are you sure? She goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's... She, I, I go, okay. She goes, can you call animal control? I'm like, sure, I guess that's what you do. So um, I go in, in, inside. I'm like flipping through the yellow pages. The dog is still going berserk. And I can't. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I call the dispatch, <laughs> the police dispatch. And I say, um... Uh, my dog, my neighbor's dog is going crazy, but I think we might have a mountain lion. I can't tell. I can't see. I don't really want to go touch it. So, <laughs> can you guys come? A couple minutes later, here come a couple cop cars coming in, and they actually come inside my house. At this time, Rita's starting to stir a little bit. She's half awake, half asleep. In the morning, she asked me, she goes, were there cops in the house? I'm like, yes. We had cops now. They come through. I say, hey, if you go through the side door, you've got to get a good vantage point. So they come through, and uh, dogs still going crazy, and they have much better flashlights. Than they, <coughs> they shine the light onto the animal, and then this is what they, they see. <laughs> a, a, a grizzly. I mean, just massive monster raccoon that got, it got spooked in, by the dog and just stuck on the fence. And they ended up uh, 
like making the thing. So why do I tell you this? When, when you don't have focus, when you don't have the light that you need in the dark, you're going you're gonna to make some silly mistakes. And in fact, some of those mistakes, while that's funny, my, I still get made fun of by my, by my parents and by my, my family back in Missouri. They'll, they'll, they'll talk to me and say, Hey, Mike, um, yesterday I was looking out the window in my backyard and there was a raccoon. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what would Mike break? <laughs> He'd probably call the cops. <laughs> we'll do some dumb stuff when we don't have the light that we need. Prayer will bring focus to your life. It will bring the perspective that you need. They were in a messy situation. And in their prayer, as they prayed that prayer, you read through it, they go and look at their past and say, these kings, these nations, these rulers... They were set against us. And it looked like there was no hope. Except for, God, you were in control of it all. The best, was, even the, the best was yet to come. Even though it didn't look like it, God, we can see that you were at work. Prayer brings focus to your past. To where God can use anything in your life. Things that you have done, things that have happened to you, things that you are ashamed of. And he says, I can use that. I can use that. In fact, I arranged that for you to go and help other people. Prayer brings that into focus. And it also brings into focus what he's planned for you in the future. Because they looked at the past and then they said... Let's use that as encouragement for boldness into the future. An answer to their prayer certainly meant more danger, meant more pain. Hey, let's go heal more people. Let's go preach. Let's go be more bold in telling people about Jesus, what they told us not to do. That was not going to bring them peace on earth. But they were going to have peace and joy knowing that they were fulfilling what God had done. What had what happened to Peter and, and John when they got arrested? Was that victory or was that failure? Their leaders just got arrested. Looks like they might be a club. These guys, they saw that as victory. This was a victory. Let's keep marching on. And in fact, let's be even more bold. They got together. They prayed together. And this might sound a little um, sacrilegious, but if all we do is get together... And if all we do is pray, I don't know that much is going to happen. If all we do is just get together, and I'm all for getting together, I'm all for praying. But if that's it, I don't see God doing a whole lot. They went on, and verse 31 says, After this prayer, the meeting shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the Word of God with boldness. They served together. They, they got to work. They got together, they prayed, and then they went to work. One of our core values, save people, serve people. You want to grow in your relationship with God? You want to experience intimacy like you haven't before? you got to get off the sidelines and get into the game. I know for me, my, the best teacher for me 
has, has been when I, when I get off the sidelines, when I stop watching things being done, and I just get into the game. And yeah, we'll, we'll practice, and I get off the sidelines, and I'll practice, and I do things, and then we get into the game. And I'll screw up. I'll fail. I'm not afraid of failure. Failure is actually something is, again, one of the best teachers in life. We can take that failure and use it to make us better. But I'm not going to get that until I get the experience and I serve and get into the game. Which is why I think it's so important for our small groups as we get together, it's going to be one of the main areas where you can serve. Quarterly, if not more. But at the same time, our small groups, one of their responsibilities will be to go out and serve people. The groups will figure out what that is and what that's going to be. It's going to be different for every group. But we have got to get in the game. We have got to get off the sidelines. These guys, they got together, they prayed together, they served together. In this last one, this is the biggie. This is the one that puts it over the top. They gave together. When they were, they were known for their theology, but what was it that attracted people to these Christians? What was that initial thing that got them to go, huh? What? Nah, that's, that's different. That's, that's, not how, that's not how we do it. They were generous. It wasn't just a one-time thing that they did. It was how they lived their life. These people gave. And when you and I Anytime I talk about giving at Freedom Church, I just want you to know this. Because you're like, oh no, here we go, talking about money. I never want anything from you. When we talk about giving, I don't want anything from you. I don't want your money. I want things for you. When God talks about giving, how we give our time, how we serve other people, how we give in our finances, it is always about something for you. These guys served and they gave, gave to serve other people. But Barnabas, we get introduced to Barnabas here, and he goes, and he, this is the first time we hear about him, but this dude is, is in Acts, and he's a major player in Acts. He was nicknamed the son of encouragement. What did he do? He sold a piece of land and gave it to the church so they could give it over to the needy. I think that act launched his ministry. I think that act is what propelled God to do even more through him and in his life. Giving is something that I don't want something from you. It's always something that is for you. These two things, generosity, giving, are this thing. It goes with the gospel. You cannot separate the two. For God so loved the world that He gave. Giving is who God is. It is what the Gospel is. Jesus was not afraid of your mess. How are we going to know if we are doing our small groups right? If we get in our groups together, how are we going to know we're doing these right? When I was a youth pastor at First Baptist, we started doing small groups. And when we did those groups, it was interesting because uh, the students started opening up and they were just like, Mike, I've got these doubts. I don't even know if God exists. 
and, and we'd have these conversations, and then they'd just be like, you know what? I, I, I don't even know if I want to live. I'm struggling with depression, um, and I, I, I kind of never told anyone this, and it started getting really messy. I'm like, I'm a youth pastor. I'm like, what kind of, what are we producing in this, in this group? Uh, like, what are we doing? And then it dawned on me. I started it like, oh, we got to change things. You got to figure things out. No. They had a safe place where they could ask questions, where they could be them, they could lower their guard, and they could just be them and be real. Jesus is not afraid of the mess. In fact, he dove right into the mess. That's why he came to earth. Because we were all sinners. We were all jacked up. And Jesus said, I'm going to jump right into that. Because that's where the love is. That's where the giving is. For God so loved you and I that he gave. How are we going to know if we're doing these right? If it's messy. If it's messy, people start showing up and being real. That's going to be the game changer. And part of what intrigued people was their generosity and giving. Wow, there's something different about these guys. You don't just give. You don't just sell your property and give to the needy. How did they even know who was needy? The people who had needs spoke up. They shared a burden. They said, I need help. And then they were able to meet those needs. Generosity in the gospel go hand in hand. The part of it is, they said, what they owned was not their own. That's the part that we struggle with. Whose stuff is it? Is it mine? Or is it God's? Is it some of it God's and some of it mine? What they owned was not their own. They realized it's all God's. And what He has given me, He's asked to steward and give to other people, and he will lead you in that. When we talk about giving, I'm not going to guilt you into giving. I want to set you up for generosity. When we talk about giving, we're going to talk about stewardship. So if you're in debt, we're going to talk about how to get out of debt so you can be more generous. Because that's who God is. That's that's love. He gave everything. His life. He Sacrifice. He didn't just give some to be like, oh, well, I gave, I contributed, and, and I feel good about that. That's nothing wrong. But no, he gave sacrificially so that we could have life. These people, they summarize that they got it, they believed, and they gave. All of this for us, like I said, the main thing is it's going to happen in the context of our small groups. By this point in Acts, they are in the thousands. They already said that they were up to 5,000 men at the beginning of Acts chapter 4. So they are in the thousands. This isn't going to happen um, in a large group setting. These things happen in the small groups. We're looking to start them in about two to three weeks. I'm not going to guilt you into getting into a, a group. But I'm just saying, there's not going to be a whole lot else going on. Sunday morning worship. Get into a small group, and through those, you're going to serve, and you're going to grow, and you're going to care. You're like, well, what's the commitment? Right now, the commitment level is going to meet about once a week, probably through May, while we figure these things out. And i got about seven uh, or about five couples that have 
said, hey, we're going to help lead these groups and launch these, you're like, hey, can I be one of those? Come talk to me and we can start them out because I'm hoping that we grow and we're going to need some more groups to launch and go. You can sign up online, you can sign up on the table, but we're going to we're going to start these things up soon. Our leaders, as we've been going through this, these four characteristics, they got together, they 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 prayed together, they served together, and they gave together. Our leaders have a tough job because I can't make culture work. You can't make culture work. I can't make community happen. Like if we could do it, then. Every church would be awesome and amazing. Every team would be winning the Super Bowl. Like that, that, that atmosphere, we can't, all, we can't make it happen. We want it to have our events for God to work and for those things to happen. So that's what we're going to do is to try to create environments for these things to happen. Each of you got a rope. Each of you got a rope. For us individually... There's only so much we can do with just this one piece of rope. I'm going to ask our band to come up, and as we close, I want to do an illustration, and we're.